You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. basic plot of any romantic comedy is that two characters meet part ways due to an argument or other obstacle, then ultimately realize their love for one another and reunite. Sometimes the two leads meet and become involved initially and must confront challenges to their union. Sometimes they are hesitant to become romantically involved because they believe that they do not like each other because one of them already has a partner or because of social pressures. However, The screenwriters leave clues that suggest that these characters are, in fact, attracted to each other and that they would be good lovers. The protagonists often separate to seek time apart and sort out their feelings or deal with external obstacles to their being together, only to later come back together. While the two protagonists are separated, one or both of them usually realizes that they love one another. Then one party makes some extravagant grand gesture to find the other person and declare their love. Then... Perhaps with some comic friction or awkwardness, they declare their love for one another, and the film ends on a happy note. Did I sign up for Professor DeWitt's Rom-Coms 101 and not realize <laughs> This it? is. Yeah. Welcome to Rom-Com 101. And Rom-Coms have been around, they are tales as old as time, as far back as before The Bard even, but Much Ado About Nothing, A Midsummer Night's Dream. More contemporary, like Sleepless in Seattle and When Harry Met Sally. And of recently, rom-coms tend to poke fun at the cliches of the genre. The Spy Who Dumped Me, right? Or My Super Ex-Girlfriend, if you want to go back a decade. But among the mockings of the tropes and the notions of the romantic story, they always come back to living up to the cliches. Which brings us to I Want You Back. Peter and Emma were total strangers when they met One thing instantly bonded them. They were both unexpectedly dumped by their respective partners on the same weekend. As the saying goes, misery loves company. But their commiseration turns into a mission to team up, to break up the new lovers to their exes. And over the course of the film, they bond over their mutual heartache. And the plot twists and turns along the way with every expected trope and cliche in all the wonderful ways possible, as each will do whatever it takes to win their exes back. A classic rom-com unfolds. I am TC of the Screener Squad, and joining me are my fellow lovers of love. Melina. Hello. Love is in the air. Ben. Yeah, this needs a befuddled Hugh Grant, but otherwise I... I'm here for it. (laughs) And Jordan. How appropriate that this starts with a film lesson because lately I've just been running off of caffeine and Slim Jims. I immediately feel like I'm back in film school. Well, I'm happy to bring you into the conversation of Rom-Com 101. So, Squad, how does I Want You Back stack up against the plethora of rom-coms that we have seen? With a plot like this, like, oh, you know what? We should break up each other's exes, relationships. Okay, cool. This one's going to be full of shitty fucking people. I'm not going to 
give a fuck about. And surprise, surprise, everyone in here are lovely human beings despite their faults. It is full of incredibly likable people, and it helps when your two leads are Charlie Day and Jenny Slate, who are impeccable together. Which is the only reason I actually was excited to sign up for this, because to see that trailer, I thought, yes, this is rom-com 101 almost to the point where i feel like just by seeing a one and a half minute trailer i can see every beat that's coming i know exactly where this is going to go i only really wanted to see it because i want to see these two people who i think nine times out of ten succeed at being incredibly funny and even if this is formulaic and doesn't work on any other level i have a feeling that they can make this rise above what it would otherwise be. Mm -hmm. I am so happy that they are not the only things that work about this. This actually kind of worked for me on all cylinders. You know, I didn't think I needed Strangers on a Train, the romantic comedy, but it kind of (laughs) works. That is the, forget my intro that I just babbled out for two minutes. That's the intro right there. It is Strangers on a Train, the rom-com. It it kind of is. And I will say though, we say every character is likable. For, like, a good quarter of the movie, you kind of don't like Gina Rodriguez because you're just like, wow, you really did break up with him for all the wrong reasons and were not, like, a very aware person. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, they fix that in the end where they address kind of that character's issues and their drama themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, otherwise, everyone's so good in this. This might be the most likable I found, Scott Eastwood, and I like him. He's playing up there, like, Liam Hemsworth quality of good-looking yes. funny guy. Yes. <laughs> for the first time ever, a movie has actually done something I thought impossible. I'm going to remember Scott Eastwood. <laughs> He's just not generic fucking white dude here. <laughs> He's actually really cool. Has he been in a lot of movies I've seen? Yes. I don't fucking remember him. Now I do, because he's actually very affable, sweet. I even thought, it's like, oh, Jesus Christ, okay, he's working for a gym. Great, it's going to be a fucking frat bro. No, it's like, I actually wouldn't mind going on around with this guy. He seems really fun. As much as I opened with the rom-com tropes, this movie actually defies some of them. It would be very easy to make Scott Eastwood an asshole in this, that Noah would be a douche bro. But no, he's nice, and you completely understand his perspective, much like you can completely understand everybody's perspective in this. So it avoided a lot of those easy rom-com tropes that elevated this above the genre. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And also, just unrecognizable for a moment, was Manny Jacinto from The Good Place as Logan, Logan. the um, artist, director, human being. Mm -hmm. By the way, thank you, Charlie Day, for my own personal hatred of that. (laughs) That's so bold of him to announce that. Oh, is he a human? Is he a human being? That must be really hard. (laughs) Yeah. He was really good here. He kind of reminded me of if Jason opened a book and tried to act like he was intelligent enough to hang out with everyone else. Oh my god, yes. (laughs) You're fooling no one, Jason. Please just go back to the football guys. One thing that I really did love that I was not expecting them to do, not only as well as they did, but at all, was... Like you were saying, TC, it's so easy in rom-coms like this to kind of force a sense of sympathy for your main characters by making the exes in question either completely one note or they end up doing something with them that makes them irredeemable. Right. And while I will not say they do that or don't do that here, I found myself watching this as it went along and thinking, despite how the dialogue is very pithy, 
nonstop in a way where you're like, yeah, no one actually talks like this, but that's fine. But I was surprised how real that aspect ended up feeling, which is when you experience breakups or you watch someone have a breakup, it's so easy to label someone as the bad guy. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, they're all human. And they all have good and bad qualities to them. Yeah. Yeah, this movie thrives so much on the fact that Charlie Day and Jenny Slate, as Melina said right up front, are adorable. They are likable. They're always good in whatever they do, even if what they're doing is a bad movie or a bad show. Those two have a charisma to them. So the movie could have thrived just on those two being the best versions of themselves in comedies. But the rest of this cast fills out as well. There aren't any wasted roles in this. Yeah. The little kid that Jenny Slate helps, he's great. Yeah. There's a girl that Charlie Day almost hooks up with. Her boyfriend <laughs> shows up for a small cameo, and he's great. <laughs> There's not a wasted role in this, and everyone is playing very genuine, sweet versions Nobody's hamming this up. Nobody is trying to oversell this like an Adam Sandler rom-com or oversell the romance angle that you get from something like a Nora Ephron movie. No offense to those movies, but they tend to delve into the much more saccharine version of the rom-com. This walks the line really well. It's a very well-crafted script being brought to life by actors who give a shit. Well, I think it also helps that the director is good for this too. They only directed two other things, but one of them – is Pete Davidson's stand-up. The other one was his, Pete Davidson's movie, Big Time Adolescence, which is kind of hits a lot of what a good rom-com needs to. It's like, it's a coming-of-age story and about accepting your faults. And that's what a good rom-com actually needs. Otherwise, it's yeah. just that romantic fluff of like, oh, we had a misunderstanding, we broke up. But no, if it's like, we broke up because we had to both grow as people, that works. That's really what this movie's about, is growing as people and accepting both the loss of a relationship and just, wow, I was an idiot. Loss of that innocence and like believing, yeah, life's fine. Just stay this way because there's a lot of complacency that uh, gets addressed in this movie. Yes. I will say the third act did seem to have a twinge of turning into some typical third act bullshit. Here's the thing. This movie is lovingly wearing the 90s on its sleeve. Very much so. It the is. The production design, the music, some of the references. So for it to almost move into the sleepless in Seattle, you got male territory is sort of on brand. That's why I said it had a twinge. I too would watch Sadness Sisters. I would <laughs> yeah. buy all the tickets to Sadness Sisters. Although rom-com plane scenes are kind of ruined for me now since crazy rich Asians <laughs> actually had the most realistic version of that. It's like, dude, dude get the fuck, fuck out of my way. I'm trying to get my scene. Something this movie avoids in the rom-com tropes and whatnot, and it's something that I utilize as a writer, which is if you can solve this problem with a post-it note, then the stakes aren't high enough and it's unrealistic. Ben Stiller fell into this trap for a lot of his Meet the Parents era rom-coms. This whole situation could be solved by writing it on a post-it note. And this movie avoids that because of these very real 30-somethings struggling to find who they are and figure themselves out as individuals in order to succeed in their relationships. And I really appreciated that. I've been through a massive breakup, and while this is very funny, it also hits really close to home one too many times in this movie. And that's where the heart of this is. And I love it for it. Yeah. I agree. And Jordan, you mentioned something that I really wanted to touch on, which is that third act. I was kind of with you where I thought, you know, it's not like this doesn't work. It's just for me the most formulate part and the one that does risk going too goofy, too farcical to the point where it can just run it into the ground and ruin the joke. What I loved about that was there was a moment 
like about the middle of the second act where that scene it's my least favorite scene of in any romantic comedy which is the the misunderstanding that is so completely contrived and it causes the characters to not speak until the third act inevitably rolls around and when that moment happened and that didn't actually I, and I can't go into detail about what it is but when that did not happen because the characters communicated mm-hmm. it made me appreciate the third act more realizing you know what with the way that this has been going this explosion at the end actually feels more apt and more earned than it would in a lot of these where it's like all right well you just have to force all these people into the same room together and no one's going to communicate nobody's going to say the right thing and this i thought wow no this actually does feel kind of real in that sense it's just like we all ended up here in a way where now the truth just has to come out there's no way Mm -hmm. out of it the whole third act is the weakest look they so telegraphed that last scene so much it actually did kind of come off to me i'm like look this is just too much (laughs) like you could have found a better way with the way these characters communicate and interact to have done this i loved it sorry continue (laughs) (laughs) i don't hate it i'm just like i feel like you could have gotten more out of these characters to do it a slightly different way some of like when the things do blow up i'm like that kind of felt a little manufactured not saying i didn't enjoy it and i didn't because again the characters are just so good when it even when it feels manufactured the performances and the characters themselves kind of pull it out from there maybe jacinto just gets the best last line for a character in this movie and then also like the scene after the big explosion between charlie day and gina rodriguez is so good it is a perfect encapsulation of the mm-hmm. relationship of those two characters and a good way to to round that out that I'm like, all right, fine. I can't be frustrated with this. And I think Jenny Slates and Scott Eastwood's is pretty good, but just Charlie Day and Gina Rodriguez have, one, their characters do have more history, so it needed to be a bit deeper. But two, it's just, it really is a deep conversation you have with a long-term significant other, former or current. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. It's very rare for like a rom-com to really come around and hit all the right high notes. Yes, we've seen enough like deconstructions at this point to where it's even that's its own subgenre. Absolutely. This actually feels charming. And every single person, even the people with the smallest roles, not only do they all get really consistently hilarious moments, there I don't think there is a moment of dead air in this entire movie, but they all get moments to shine as actors, including Scott Eastwood, which I never thought I would say ever. This movie should be preserved in a museum because <laughs> this is the first time anyone's going to fucking remember Scott Eastwood in a movie. I think this review should be in a museum because I think it may be the first time that someone said... I think Scott Eastwood was good. And it may be the last, so... <laughs> so cruel. No, no, no. Yes, they should both go into the same wing of this hypothetical museum in my fucking head. I don't know if I want to visit this museum. It sounds boring. It sounds like a Scott Eastwood movie. I know. Scott Eastwood does look pretty good. Do you see those photos of him on a boat, like shirtless, from when he was first trying to get big? And he goes, wow, those are good young Clint Eastwood photos. Like, no, no. Scott Eastwood's just... A cut younger Clint Eastwood. I thought you were going to say he looks pretty good in this because we definitely get to see a lot of him. <laughs> right. In general, really, as a straight guy, that's a handsome man. I, I could spend some time with him. Yeah. As a straight woman, I agree. And as a gay woman. Eh. Well, let's round off this uh, conversation of how we feel about Scott Eastwood by <laughs> rating how we feel about the movie in general. <laughs> Jordan, kick us off. Okay. So this movie is 
wonderful. I was hesitant to even want to do a rom-com review around this time because I just thought, what's it going to do that it hasn't been done? But this movie really did surprise me. It has great chemistry among all its characters. It's very believable, which is something you really can't say about a lot of romantic comedies. And you feel for the leads, and it's very funny. And like Melina said... It doesn't waste dead air. This movie's nearly two hours. It's like 111 minutes. There's not an ounce of fat on this. It's fantastic. It's wonderfully written, greatly acted, and again, it made me remember Scott Eastwood. <laughs> so it's magic. I actually feel so bad for him now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just never disliked him. He just wasn't memorable. I like him. So I'm going to give this 8 out of 10. Hot tub jumps. Oh, nice. <laughs> Which was honestly the most impressive fucking thing in this movie. I'm screaming at the TV, don't do it! What are you doing? <laughs> ben, go ahead. Sure. I'm generally a sucker for some romantic comedies. I mean, look, you grew up on like enough classic movies where even when they're not romantic comedies from like classic film, a lot of it is like love will triumph for the day and all that stuff. So you get kind of a romanticized view on the world from film, even if the world these days does not live up to that. And my mom loved romantic comedy. So I'm like, I always want the good one. I probably reviewed more than my fair share for one of us at this point because of it. And it's so good when one is this enjoyable. Like the trailer immediately, me and my partner were like, wow, that seems really fun. Just because we love, you know, the leads and they're not even a romantic comedy person. I was like, this is just going to be great. And yeah, I mean, look, I'm going to harp on it again. Yes, Scott Eastwood's great. I feel like he went to the same acting school as Brad Pitt from Burn After Reading. But they just said, like, just act like a golden retriever, but a golden retriever on a treadmill. Go. Uh. <laughs> you're lovable. That's you're perfect. excitable. You're energetic. Go. And honestly, it works. He does have golden retriever game. Yeah, I get it. Uh, I also want to credit because she doesn't get enough credit in this movie or in anything usually but clark bacco who play or bacco who plays jenny who's eastwood's love interest i've always loved her from letter kenny which is where i know her most from where she plays rosie but like the few scenes she gets here she really does stand out but she has probably the least screen time of any lead and that's mostly because it's not charlie day trying to steal her mm -hmm. it's she shows up when she needs to and honestly i can't complain it's a lot of fun i, I made the joke about strangers on a train earlier probably more accurate is it's horrible bosses meets when Harry met Sally. Nice. Like, wow, it, perfect. It's like when Harry met Sally for like the current age where like we're all on our phones and Instagram and we all have to live with our former significant others still being out there in a way we can see them and you can't forget them, which is a problem for a lot of people our age. Where it's like, uh, oh, but look, yeah. at, look, look, they're still doing that thing we used to do together. No, idiot. That's because they're people. Shut up. <laughs> Be smarter. But we never are. I really enjoyed this. As I said, third act was a little weak. I'm going to give it Eight and a half out of ten bad times being a wicker basket. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, yes. Melina. Wow. Yeah. You know, I think that you guys have pretty much said everything I wanted to say about this. I went into this a little bit hesitant. I signed up for it anyway because I just really love these two people. And I am a romantic. I love Nora Ephron movies, damn it. And I... <laughs> no and what I <laughs> And what I really was scared of was the fact that even the most well-intentioned rom-coms that tend to come out around this time of year, they, they tend to suck. And I was like, okay, well, this might be awful, but I'm sure it won't be unwatchable given the talent of these two comedians. They can make taking a drag of a cigarette hilarious, which they do. Yeah, I found this to be 
hysterical throughout. Everybody gets great material. Everybody's bringing their A-game. I was halfway through it and I was amazed how many people I immediately wanted to go out and recommend this to. Like, hey, if you gotta see something this Valentine's Day, here's something that's actually pretty damn good. I cannot wait for this to drop on Amazon so that I can watch it again. I really, really had so much fun with this. I laughed all the way through. God, it made me want to go watch Con Air again. <laughs> uh, so I am going to give this four and a half out of five renditions of Suddenly Seymour. <laughs> well, I am a sucker for romantic movies. I shed tears annually when I do my Christmas watch of Love Actually. I whimper and smile at When Harry Met Sally. I even felt all warm and tingly at the end of Always Be My Maybe. So this is definitely a guilty pleasure genre for me. Where movies like this thrive is in the charm of its leads, and Charlie Day and Jenny Slate are just adorable. This genre only ever sees the light of mainstream day when it has star power, and lucky for us, this movie thrives on more than just the charisma of those two leads. It's well-written, it's well-produced, everyone is having fun and giving it their all without going full ham, and yeah, you know how these movies go. You know the formula, and you can predict the beats, but there are some fun twists along the way that actually had me wondering if they were going to go left or right throughout this until it eventually gets to exactly where you always knew it was going to go. I enjoyed this. It was fun and funny and cute, and I am giving it 8 out of 10 hipster pie places. <laughs> I thought that might be a good joke to go out on, but uh, unfortunately, I think it fell kind of flat. Much like Scott Eastwood. <laughs> <laughs>